I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. guys welcome back to another episode of the musky hunks podcast i'm one of your four hosts this evening ryan reed we've got three other hunks on the line and we have a very special guest again this week super pumped about this episode and ready to get into the topics that we're going to talk about tonight so before we do that who do we have on the phone tonight we have mr nick Feesler. Evening, guys. Glad <laughs> to be here. How's uh, how are things up up in the Great White North? Good. It was like sixty degrees up here today. Gorgeous little, day. Little trouty. I saw Larissa's tearing oh, yeah. tearing some trout up. I did some babysitting while Larissa went trout fishing. Nice. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah. I like it. I knew oh, I yeah. like Larissa. You got a yeah. you got a stock that you got to bank those fishing days. Like, That's don't right. You remember back in April. Yeah, these uh these come back in multiples. Paid they back gain in interest. Multiples. Yep. Nice. Nicely done. We're proud of you. We we also have on the phone tonight Mr. Tom Venata. You mean Tarova owner? Mr. Tom Tarova. Mr. Tarova owner. Yep. yep. Mr. Now now has Spotlock. Yeah. I'm I am disappointed in you. The first thing you do with your Spotlock is you head right to the local trout as pond. It, mm-hmm, as it should be. That's got to break it in. Nearly, ru- nearly runs over some seven-year-olds on the boat launch to, mm-hmm. to get the boat out of my out. way. Tarovo and the trout through. I'd love Watch to know, this, Junior. <laughs> how many, uh, how many Joe's flies did you snag up in that thing today? None, but some guy <laughs> did wrap his. He trolled around me and wrapped his lines around me, but I didn't do any whoopsies today. That's good. That's good to get that you know line right in your trolling yeah. motor right off the get go. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Get well, that all clogged up. Yeah, I will say going from a well, I will talk about it. I'm sure sometime else, but going from a cable drive your whole life to an electric pedal is like it's going to take time. And I was good at a cable drive, man. I would, I would anybody listening right now, I would take you on in like an obstacle course race. Owen has seen me on a cable drive. I'm like Ricky Bobby. He is good, but not everything in life is a contest, Tom. Well, exactly. this it is. I will smoke anyone on a cable drive. <laughs> All right, but then we're going done. to going to a Tarova, man. Today I felt like an idiot. So hard, <laughs> difficult. Well, we're proud of you. Uh, we also you? have on the phone tonight, Mr. <laughs> Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be here. Looking forward to, to this conversation here tonight. So thank you guys for jumping on another call on a random Sunday evening. But we have a, a very special guest tonight. And I think, again, we're all super excited about this. And I, Nick, I know I'm going to butcher your name, dude, even though we went over this. <laughs> But we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Nick Yaroshevsky. That's perfect. I got, I got wow. it. We have Mr. Nick Yaroshevsky, the current Linesville Hatchery Manager from our Linesville Hatchery here in the great state of Pennsylvania. So, Nick, dude, thank you very much for coming on tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I'm excited for this. And so... You actually probably pronounce my last name better than I can, so <laughs> good. I don't know about all that, but dude, we uh. So if you go back, it's probably been some time now. I don't know if it's been. I don't know if it's been a year. When was the last? So at some point, you came out to a 
a uh, chapter 16 muskies inc meeting and i think that was last year right yeah it was i think i was at linesville for like a month or so before i came out there so yeah so we got a chance to those of us that were there got a chance to meet you and i know we've been kind of banging around this podcast idea for a good bit and dude again like we're just super pumped for you to be here tonight and talk about the hatchery and just talk about muskies and anything else you got going on up there. Uh, so thank you again for, for doing that. But where do you guys, uh, where do you guys want to start here tonight? I want to get, I want to start like before we really even got started on, uh, on the podcast here, Nick had mentioned that he's, he's not from up North there. He's from, he's a Pittsburgh boy. Hmm? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, born raised in uh, Hampton township, actually Allison park. So that kind of that interests me, you know, Hampton Township, it's it's not like it's certainly not the city of Pittsburgh. I mean, it's hills and there's definitely some more outdoorsy stuff in Hampton Township than in a lot of, uh, you know, areas of Pittsburgh. But how do you go from growing up in Hampton to saying, hey, I'm going to make I'm going to make a living milking fish and, and <laughs> you know, spawning fish the matchmaker? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's I fascinating guess. to me. Like, it's fascinating. Like, how, what, how'd you go? Like, did you go to co- first? I guess, did you go to college to, to specifically to do this? Yes, I did actually. And I actually turned down a couple scholarships for wrestling because those colleges Ooh. didn't offer like an outdoor education. Um, so I ended up going Legit. to Clarion University and majored in environmental science. And uh, through that, got an internship with the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission uh, with Brian Ensign up at Tynesta. And uh, from there, it just kept on going, kept on getting other jobs with him. That's awesome. Nice. Now, how did you get started outdoors-wise? Like, was it your dad, mom? We've even had a grandma. someone say their grandma got them started fishing. I, it, so it was definitely my, uh, my, my father. My father got me in. Um, originally my both my parents were from Lawrenceville and Bloomfield. Um, okay. so they were like in Pittsburgh. And my dad, so his his my grandfather was like, we need to get you out of the Pittsburgh. So they bought a camp up in Forest County, actually. Okay. So I grew up with my dad taking me two hours north to Forest County in Tyanesta. And from there we would just go fishing on Salmon Creek, catching trout, you know, fishing for native trout, you know, the smallest little critters you can catch. And uh, I guess that's where, like, the love of the outdoors really blossomed. And, uh, you know, where I lived in Hampton Township, too, uh, I lived right next to the railroad track. So I had Pine Creek and the railroad yeah, track. Yeah, Pine Creek's nice. right there. Yep. Yeah. So I'd always go down below. We had, like, a rappel system down this cliff to get down there. <laughs> but, you know, I was constantly outdoors. That's awesome. I was just up there, up that Forest County way the other day. And, saw busted a grouse walking through the woods and oh nice our, our nick also our yeah. nick also had a little run uh slinging flies for some native trout he doesn't like to talk about it or admit it but... oh nice in, in a past life he yeah. was a native trout hunter he used to get to work out there all the time so i'd take the rod in the, in the work truck but oh nice yeah, yeah. so Okay, so growing up naturally, like you, like many of us, just kind of is it is it fair to say that like at some point, if you're really dedicated to like the outdoors, whether that's hunting, fishing, camping, whatever, it almost kind of turns into an addiction, right? So is that 
is that what uh, kind of forced, not forced you, but kind of pushed you into doing this, you know, as a career is just that passion and everything that like, what, what else can it, can you can, can contribute to that? <laughs> Can't get it. Yeah. Out. As far as going as like, as an addiction to being outdoors, you know, I remember sitting down one day, I think I was in high school with my mom and she was like, so what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And I'm like, I just want to be outside as much as I can be, you know? And she's like, well, you got to figure out what route you need to go to get there. And uh, uh, whenever we were talking about colleges, I wanted to wrestle as, as much as I could. Um, but my mom told me, she goes, you're going to college for an education to do something you love after that, you know? So that's kind of how I, I got buckled down to Clarion University. And uh, from there, just, you know, moving as much as I can, actually, just to get where I want to be. But you were able to wrestle at Clarion? I walked on for a little while and did not do very well academically. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were Division One, and we were doing three practices a day. Oh, yeah. And, you know, being a, a science major, that, that wasn't wasn't the easiest thing to do so i had to drop out of wrestling to focus on academics i understand that i quit the golf <laughs> team i quit the golf team after my second year for the exact same reasons it was just, yeah and we sucked we weren't even good but it was just like <laughs> it just took too much time i mean in my grades were struggling i was like if i want to actually like have a career i'm definitely not going to be a golfer for the rest of my <laughs> life so i better get to figure something else out yeah see it, that not like you can be a professional wrestler and make a lot of money either. Right. So. What do you do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. You kind of wrestle in musky now, though. Little, little fore, yeah. uh, foreshadowing here, but. Uh, yeah. I can't wait for, for that. Yeah. So b- before yeah. we, before we get into some of the hatchery stuff, like, so you've started fishing for trout and stuff. So what, just out of curiosity, like, do you get with, with everything going on at the hatchery, do you get much time to, to continue to fish or are you into hunting at all? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge archery hunter, um, yeah. big time archery hunter. And uh, to go back to fishing here real fast. When I worked at a trout hatchery up in Potter County, I actually started not to like fishing for trout because I dealt with them every single day. <laughs> um, but it's it's so funny. I, I came over to the warm water, warm, cool water facility here. And I live right next to the lake. I live right next to Pimatuming Lake uh, on the southern end of it. And I've never seen so many people fish in their life like I have over here. Just driving on the way over here, I think there's like 20 boats across the causeway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I need to, I, yeah, I have a rod in my truck at all times now. And I'm like, I need to like get out there and start jigging with these guys. I don't know if <laughs> catch them, but I, I want to be out there fishing with them. Um, but, you know, it's just working here it's a lot it's a lot of work we actually we haven't gotten a day off here in probably like 20 days now um because we're trap netting but any free time i have i'm still trying to go fishing as much as i can right now so that's what are you going what are you fishing for primarily uh so right now my dad's always promised me to take me to find a tuning and go crappy fishing. It's oh, a, nice. It, oh, Tom. It, that's me, yeah, man. Been I've been talking telling about them. that. Yeah. So he, he's been promising me this ever since I was in high school. And he, he called me up this year. And I live right next to Pima Tuning. My dad's like, hey, 
He's like, I know I've been promising you for this a lot of years, but I'm finally going to take you fishing on five and two, mate. I was like, hey, you know what, Dad, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. So, so did you, or is this coming? This is coming uh, up. No, he didn't. He he still hasn't taken me fishing uh, yet. But okay, he's been asking me like where to go now. It's kind of funny. Oh, but I'm trying to get into the walleye right now um actually over the winter i was fishing for some walleye uh right below the dam on pine Tuming, and i actually <laughs> caught more muskies than anything else which was actually <laughs> really awesome you know just fighting those guys so mm-hmm. it's been good that's cool yeah that's always a great spot there it's, it's oh, cool yeah. to see like someone working that's still like such an active fisherman like not to say that everybody that works in the fish commission doesn't fish like i don't think that's the case at all but to see someone that's like itching to get off work to go fishing that's that's awesome yeah i, I think uh there's another guy at work right now i showed him the rod that i had and he's like i really need to buy that same exact rod and like start doing some <laughs> hand fishing now and i'm like you do you know, he's a big fly fisherman up and he fly fishes for steelhead so Ooh, so you converted a fly guy yeah well Uh-oh. he just wants to he wants to fish and maybe I convert them. I'll, I'll get <laughs> working on it. Still working, working on them. What's the, what's the panfish setup that that he was talking about? I just have like a light action Saint Croix uh, with a Fluger reel on it. It's a six six. It's just it's perfect. I don't know. I chest weight weight all the way out to my belly button. You Is know. the Fluger a president? Perhaps. I I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, okay. I, I don't I know. I bought it that's... a couple years ago. Uh, that would have been another stepbrothers. Like, did we just become best friends? Because that's that's me and Ryan's yeah, favorite I'm, reel. Right I'm going to tell you this right now. I have two I, of them. <laughs> that Saint Croix combo with with that president reel, silky is, smooth. It's probably my favorite setup, dude. Like, I can fish. I don't. I don't think I could. I don't think I could handle a muskie on that combo. But I would try. <laughs> like, it is seriously my favorite combo. I did uh, actually with that combo I had right there. Uh, I caught like a, it was about a 10 pound, uh, channel catfish. Nice. <laughs> so nice. Out there. It was a, it was a good fight there. They'll work your drag out a little. On the oh yeah, here. It did. yeah. It did. It was awesome. We get uh, quite a few channel cats too, but usually it's doing about five miles an hour and it's on a crankbait going mm-hmm. for the muskie. You get the chance, the feisty little channel cats come up and hit the crankbaits and something I was, it blew me away when I saw it the first time last year. Yeah, yeah, it's a real letdown disappointment. <laughs> it's a letdown, the... but it's amazing. I mean, you have like a 16-inch channel cat hitting like a six-inch crankbait at five miles an hour. Like, I love it, dude. Like little tuna. Yeah. All right, so you're out there fishing. You're doing the hatchery thing. So what – okay, so maybe let's go – I don't want to go back. I don't want to circle back well, yet. That's my, that's my thing <laughs> is to circle back around. But let's go back to like uh, – okay, so school. You're a clarion. You – graduate and where where did you start essentially give us kind of the the background of you jumping around fishing boat so i started as an unpaid internship with brian ensign uh at the tynesta area that started they actually they didn't have money for a, a seasonal position there and me just being a desperate college kid trying to get into any kind of field I was like, you know what? I'll work for free for a whole summer. Um, So I ended up working up there. They really liked me a lot. And they ended up getting a paid position the following summer. 
um, which that would have been the year I graduated college. So 2016, um, that summer there, I worked paid with Brian Ensign. Again, we were doing electro surveys, stream surveys, um, you know, the biologist aspect of the job. Um, and from there, did that for like two more seasons, did some like side jobs in between just to make things work. From there, I got full-time as a fish culturist up at Oswego. Worked there for about two years. Um, once I received the fish culturist two status um, at Oswego, I was eligible to transfer to Tynesta State Fish Hatchery. Um, so I was able to transfer back to Tynesta as a fish culturist too, and then rewind back to Oswego. We raised trout. Uh, you did the brown trout, brook trout, golden rainbows, um, and your rainbow trout. So moved over to Tynesta. We did the majority of the steelhead production there. Um, then we did the majority of the steelhead production there. We also did some like muskie, some pike, channel catfish, walleye. Um, so I was there for another two years there. Um, there was a foreman's position that opened back up at Oswego. And those guys really liked me up there, applied for it, um, was lucky enough to get it. Um, so I went back up to Oswego. It was kind of funny, like everyone always joked with me, they're like, no one returns to Oswego. <laughs> so here I am knocking on the door again. Went up back to Oswego, had some strange events happen up there. Uh, I became the manager at Oswego for about a year and a half. And then the manager position at Lionsville came open hmm. and I was selected for that. So here I am in charge of so, some muskies. Pretty cool. Well, I was, was going to say, so what, you know, what was your experience with muskies in terms of fishing for them, angling for them? Um, to be honest, the only experience and I used to go um, with one of my friends from work, I used to go after work and I'd actually just watch him catch muskies it was really impressive because he was he was that good he was like we're gonna go here it's perfect conditions and he would catch one and if not two within like the couple hours we had after work um he tried to get me into it and i kept on getting snagged he tried using live bait with me um it, it was a, it was a pretty bad disaster actually when i first started out um but when I lived up in Potter County, there was like rumors that there were muskies in the, like the bigger streams up there. I could never catch any. I did try fishing for them. Um, but as soon as I came over here to Pimatuming, I was actually using like some seven inch jerk baits going down through the river. And the muskies tend to really like those. Uh, down there. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm starting to catch a lot more muskies now. I probably have caught 10 since I've lived here. Oh, cool. And yeah, that's only since June I moved here. So, oh, that's wow. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So then, it, so in terms of your job at the hatchery, like obviously you don't ha you don't need to have the slightest bit of angling experience in order to you know run a hatchery. So the two are just completely divorced in terms of what the, you know how they relate to one another. Like, what is your, I guess. I don't know. What's your experience now with, you know, with the, the hatchery and running a hatchery specifically muskies and, and I guess 
guess before we go there, is that the only thing that, that you guys are doing at Linesville now? No, no, not at all. Um, we have a lot of things going on at Linesville. Okay. Um, I'll go through a brief, uh, all the species that we raise at Linesville yeah. currently. Yeah. yeah, cool. Um, so this year, like right now, we have our trap nets out for walleye. Um, we're actually spawning all the walleye for the fry. I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask when the trap nets for muskies go out. Yeah. So when the water temperature starts getting up above, like right around fifty degrees, um, we're gonna see what we can get out of the sanctuary because our nets have been really good with muskies this year. Um, but typically, we go to Pimatuming, the main lake for that, and we usually get a fair amount of muskies out of there for our spawn. Nice. Um, yeah. Usually we do yellow perch. Uh, this is the first year that we are not doing yellow perch this year. Um, but we also raise uh, channel catfish, bluegill, um, fathead minnows. Uh, bluegill? Yeah. That surprises bluegill. me too. Yeah, we do uh, We do uh, fingerlings. A lot of these are just fingerling stockings that we'll do. Um, but it's pretty cool. Usually we get a pond set up, put your brood out in the pond usually 20 to 25 pairs, male, female, and let them spawn in those ponds. And then come October, November, when the water temperatures are starting to dip down cooler, uh, that's when we drain down the ponds and harvest them. Mm. Those ponds look like golf balls by the time the bluegill are done with them? Just <laughs> dimples? and No, not really, actually. It, it, it's pretty clean. It's, it's really? pretty good. Huh. And now what? Why bluegill though? I mean, don't bluegill yeah, I mean, do well enough I, on their own? Or? Yeah, I want. I wanted to ask about this too because I'm, and I might be jumping a little bit ahead, Nick. But thinking about some of the lakes that I have, or Tom and I, really Owen too, have around us here. You know, mm -hmm. you think about like Donegal, 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 however you want to pronounce it, Donegal, Donegal. <laughs> uh, you think about like a Somerset Lake, like some of these lakes that have been drained. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like is that is that why? you guys are raising bluegills and stuff like that. Is that one of the scenarios to kind of, you know, reintroduce them to a lake that's, that's been drained? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a huge reason for like the, it, we get requests at each hatchery. And a lot of that is for like reintroducing species to a lake that was worked on or drained down. Um, so yeah, that's oh. the, that's the big reason we do raise them, especially okay. golden shiners and uh, fathead minnows. You know, those are the four, those are the forage base that you get in the lake. I was gonna say that's been one of the things I've been kind of watching and, uh, as they've started to refill Tamarack Lake up by me. Mm -hmm. It's kind of been neat to see what gets stocked each year and yeah, it's build, it's, it's build from the base up and it's a cool process, you know, like. Tam like we'll use Tamarack Lake for like a small example. Like the first couple of years, maybe the first year we we stock it, it'll be fathead minnows and golden shiners. Uh, then the next year or two years later, then all of a sudden we're we're stocking crappy and perch and uh, bluegill. Working and then once the those, pyramid. Yeah, then once those establish themselves, then we're starting to get into like the largemouth bass, the walleye, and then the muskies. You know, it, it's kind of cool, like. <sighs> the progression that we stock out as a hatchery, we see it, you know? Well, we cut you off there. So we had, we had the yellow perch, yeah, we, we had the bluegill. Yeah. So we have the, with the yellow perch, the bluegill, golden shiners, fathead minnows. Yeah. Um, we have Lake Erie brown trout. It's a, it's a mm. specific strain for Lake Erie. 
um, the muskies, obviously, <laughs> um, the walleye, and uh, pumpkin seed this year. We don't, we're also doing largemouth bass, so mm. and white and black crappy too. I forgot about those. Two. Wow. Yeah. So we got a lot of species. A and lot you're of, doing all of those at Linesville, or those all at the you know the, across PA. Uh, that's all at Linesville, but other hatcheries wow. are also doing like other warm, cool water hatcheries. They're going to be helping out with, you know, producing uh, walleyes and black crappie, um, other species like that. So, so, so is some of the like infrastructure able to be used for like multiple species and you rotate them through or does each one have their own dedicated like pond or. Yeah, we, we dedicate each pond, um, for what, like. Let's see our south ponds. We have eight south ponds. Four of those are going to be ponds specifically set up for white and black crappie. Um, white crappie and black crappie, they're going to have their own ponds. Um, and then like the ponds above it, the other four ponds are going to be set up with, well, one pond might have channel catfish. The other ones might have pumpkin seed. Did I mention pumpkin seed? Raise you pumpkin did. Seeds. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah, that's, this is the first time we're raising pumpkin seed. So it's going to be a challenge, I think, for us. So, but so what, what goes into the thought process? Like who says, all right, you know what, let's, let's do pumpkin seed this year. Um, so all of that, uh, it gets rained down upon us through, um, our biologists, the ones that, that are out there actually doing the surveys. And those are a lot of things that I don't know fully in detail of what they're actually going through. I learned a little bit through Brian when I worked with him. Um, but yeah, that's something that they have in their database that they're looking at. So I'm assuming that like all of that stuff, cause I, I'm, I'm like hip to the biologist reports on a lot of these lakes. Cause that's how, you know, that's how I ultimately found some of the places I fish, you know, is through that. And I think it's kind of interesting because like, you'll look at some of those reports and it really, like, even when I was bass fishing regularly, like a lot of those reports, they're just super interesting to see, you know, what they're shocking. And, you know, even like, I understand the way it sits, like you just can't get around to these lakes, like super regularly, but even having a report from five, six years ago can sometimes like really set you up for a solid afternoon of fishing. Yeah. Yeah. And actually we, we use those reports for our benefit too, at the hatcheries. Um, like we're trying to get pumpkin seeds right now. And we don't really see many of those. And I, I talked to the biologist um, up at, at, at our hatchery here, Tim Wilson. And uh, I asked him, like, where's a good lake to, to, to catch pumpkin seed at, you know? And he's just like, well, let me go look in the, all the reports that we have. And he's like, yeah, this one lake over here is just like chock full of them. So it helps us out finding where our brood, brood lakes are. You know. And did it turn out? Did it turn out that that worked, and that that you found them there? We have not trapped trap netted that area yet, and we actually we can't use it this year because we go under like strict uh, fish pathology. Um, what's the word? We have to make sure all the fish that we bring at our, into our hatchery are disease free, so we don't want any like IPN or VHS or anything that we can spread to other lakes like we want our fish to be as clean as possible so that we're stocking out clean fish oh, yeah. do, do you still catch pumpkin seeds with like the same kind of trap net that you catch muskies with or is it 
Yeah, we will. Uh, the they they might be able to find their way out a little bit easier than the. Yeah, I was gonna say it has to be a little smaller. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll still catch them with that. We actually have um the we have another hatchery, uh, Union City. It's not a hatchery anymore, but they're helping us out this year. They are running trap nets for northern pike right now okay. to do the tiger muskies. And um, they actually got a chock full. Like, they showed me pictures of all the pumpkin seed and bluegill that they got out of their nets. They're like, look at this, Nick. You know, it's exactly what you need. <laughs> we're unsure if we can use those, you know. Right. So. That's good hmm. to know. You got the got an A source there. Yeah, 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 it is. But yeah, I always wonder that if you use those same trout nets. The one time I was actually on uh, Canadota Lake where Owen's got a cottage and the nets were in there and you could see just a ton of just huge golden shiners in the net. Oh, was, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I would have thought they would have been able to escape right through the How big are you talking? I'm saying like six plus, wow. maybe eight inch. Oh, yeah. In there. And that's when Nick came back that night with a big knife and a headlamp, and that's why your nets all had holes in them because he went golden shiner hunting. Thanks. No. I'll tell the guys in January when they're stitching that. That's off. your culprit right there. <laughs> this was at least, a, at least one or two years ago. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by the whole trap net system. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I've I've seen where they get placed at Canadota Lake, and obviously, you know that that kind of gives you a little bit of you know an idea of where there may be better spots and whatnot and obviously we're not going to go into any of those spots here on this podcast but mm -hmm. <laughs> um i don't know it's just it, it's just a very interesting system and do you set i guess to, to, to piggyback off of nick's question if you collect the trap nets for whatever you're doing right now you said walleye right now yes do you put those exact same trap nets right back out to get the next species? Yeah, we, we, we do not have uh, specific next nets for specific species. Um, they're all roughly the same size net uh, on the material itself. So I did yeah. think it was cool seeing the. I think it's detailed in the biologist report that they're called like a Pennsylvania style trap net. Yeah, it is a, a Pennsylvania style uh, trap net. I, I like to think we just over engineered it, you know, so the fish, there's no way for the fish to get out <laughs> once they go through like three trap doors, you know. But yeah, it is a Pennsylvania trap net. And we have one on display here at the at the hatchery in the oh, visitor really? center. Nice. Yeah, it's like a little little 10 by 12 foot trap net or 10 inch uh, oh, okay. trap. Little I mean, a little miniature. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, for people that have never seen them before, how big are we talking on, like, the full-size trap net? Like, full-on size trap net. Uh, let's see. We have, a, like, a 12-foot, 12-by-4-foot 12 catch basin where, like, all the fish are actually getting, like, the final destination. That's, like, where they're in the pot. We have another 12-by-4-foot section where it's, like, it's the pot before they go into like where we can actually access them. And then we have our wings, which the wings are probably 20 to 50 feet long. Wow. That stretch oh, wow. out. Then we have our lead line that goes from the bank and that's a hundred to 150 feet long. It depends wow. on which one we're using. So yeah. how many guys does it take to set a net like that? Like what's the crew look like? 
you can set it with a very experienced crew. Um, you can set it with two people, one driving the boat, one actually deploying the net. Oh, wow. But if we can, if we have the people, we'll do uh, three people setting the nets. Because though the wing anchors, it's sort of like deadliest catch. You know, you got to make sure your feet aren't, you know, anywhere near it when you're letting the mm. net fall off the boat and you're throwing the wing anchors out getting all the buoys out there so that the when the net deploys in the water it's it's straight huh. how many issues do you have with anglers or boats snagging those we get a lot of lures <laughs> <laughs> so not really an issue kind of like a like a benefit yeah it, it's sort of like a benefit for the hatchery a lure swap yeah yeah no, it, it's it's something we, we actually have to talk about here at the hatchery it's like you know, when we're going out on the on the main lake, on the public lake, uh, like pontooning, when we're going to get our brood muskies, it's like, you know, everyone be aware. You know, when you're grabbing that net, you actually might get hooked. You know. Oh yeah. So it, it is a little bit of a safety concern, but it's kind of like it's probably a little reward too. <laughs> yeah, I I've can't imagine it'd be nice fun to. Power. Wouldn't I've want never... to be fun to getting pinned to a giant trap net. No, I've never be. run into a trap net in Pennsylvania, but Dan and I went square into one on Chautauqua one time. <laughs> was it marked? I mean, it was pitch dark out. It was probably oh. marked. <laughs> we didn't see it. But yeah, that, I can imagine. Probably wasn't a hatchery's trap net. The biologists also do their trap net too. So could have been one of theirs theirs are a little bit smaller than ours so you oh, i didn't realize that they did they they did separate trap netting for biology as opposed to how does it hatchery yeah so yeah the hatcheries we're just we're doing the same lakes over and over again most of the time the biologists they'll set out uh in various locations areas just to sample populations Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're they're out checking the actual populations where the your trap nets are on the brood lakes trying to get your brood stock. Yep. Well, earlier, Dick, you were saying something about like you had to do a lot of bio work and stuff to get this job, obviously. And now we're talking about like throwing buoys and nets and stuff. What 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 do you prefer if there's an end of the spectrum? Do you prefer like the nitty gritty, like dirty work, or do you like the lab kind of stuff or well, I, like, really? I like hands-on. I like hands-on. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm pinned in an office a good bit now, but if I get a chance to go out there, even a if treat. it's the grass or something like that, yeah, yeah I, I love it. Nice. Well, I'm sure you haven't listened to every Muskie Hunks episode, so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you went back and it, we actually had Camden Glade on, uh, this was a, probably like episode eight, maybe, uh, this is very early on, but Camden is a uh, biologist from Minnesota who his his entire, you know, project, his research is regurgitating muscalunge and other fit and other predators, um, you know, to to do stomach surveys of what what wow. are these muskies eating and, and it was fascinating you know just absolutely fascinating stuff and we all follow him on instagram mm -hmm. because he does these fish puke videos where he'll show by you means of electrofishing you left oh, out yeah, a cool so, part there yeah oh. so, they, <laughs> so they electrofish to get to to catch the muskies and then they regurgitate them using i don't know if you've ever seen you know those shark shows you know where they they have that giant hose that Tube, goes down yeah. the you know the 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 shark's mouth to keep the water going well this is water pumped down to regurgitate its stomach wow and 
and the, it's, the results are fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely. Muskrats and ducks and wow. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to ask, like, what was the coolest thing that that he's got so far? Oh, there's been there's crazy stuff. But what the but the the weirdest thing was that muskies don't eat what you think they do necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah. they eat pretty much yeah, at least out there. Uh, it was you know yellow perch where everyone thought they were eating, you know, walleye, you know, the whole... They're and he said that everything... The muskies are eating our walleye! He said it wasn't just the muskies, that everything's picking on the perch out there. Like, it, it's like the perch are just singled out by everyone eating fish out there. It was all cool. the predators. I thought it was yeah. cool to see all the oddball stuff, like crayfish and mm-hmm. just any everything. I think they had, a like, a live, like, snapping turtle that was, like, you know, two or three inches across, he had posted the one day. Just crazy. You guys so, got some new. You guys, you guys got some new lore ideas now. Right, yeah. <laughs> the muskrat. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about you know being in an office now in your current role at Linesville, and you're kind of managing, overseeing everything going on. And you've had this background. You've worked at a couple of different hatcheries, doing you know all of this stuff. Like what? I don't know if this is a fair question, but like you're what's all involved at the Linesville hatchery. Like, what are you, you have your hands into everything there. I'm assuming, right? Like, for example, I know April 8th, I think it's April 8th. You guys have your open house. Yes. So what, like how, what's your involved, what's your day to day look like? If that's fair, if we can get into that, if not, I understand. Yeah, no, this is, it's, it's one of those things like, I'm new to Linesville. So the Linesville open house is uh it's a pretty big, uh, big, I wouldn't say a stressor on me, but it's, it's, it's very mm-hmm. big coming up here. Cause there's so many people that do come to this event and they expect it to be as good, if not better from the year before, you know? So I know I got that weighing down on my shoulders and well, what, what is the open house? Like what, what, if, if we were to come, like what would someone expect out of an op- any open house there? Yeah, so we'll actually have a trap net on display at Open House, which is kind of cool. But Open House is, you come, it's, it's like a day at the hatchery. You can come here. Um, we actually have buses that will bring people in because there's so, there's so many people that come. We actually have a bus that brings in, drops people off at the hatchery. Oh, wow. They'll come into the hatchery. Um, obviously, we have a viewing tank set up, but there's a couple tables inside of our visitor center. Um, you'll be able to like, make, if you have kids, you can go into this one room and, you know, I forget how much it is, but you can get a, a t-shirt that has a print of a fish on it for your kids, or even if yourself, if you want to. Um, but there's all these different tables and booths that are educational. Um, law enforcement has like their law enforcement boat down there. They have a recruitment table, which is pretty cool. Um, we also do a fish fry for the public. Um, so there's constantly fish being fried up, which is nice. Are we allowed to ask where those fish come from? Yeah, are they muskies? Because those are the best. <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> do, you, do you just clear Lines. out a tr- clear out like a perch tank that day? Like, oh, we have too many perch fish fry. <laughs> yeah, no, man, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so this might be an edit point here. We can edit but, it out if we have to. But they they do they come from the sanctuary, which I think oh. is a way. I think it's a nice way to like, it, it helps us ma- uh, manage our populations that mm-hmm. we have in the lake. And right. it gives everyone coming to this event, like a taste, what they could catch. Quality control. It's a, it's a, it's com- quality yeah, it, control. You got to make it, sure. And it's also a 
it's a Commonwealth resource and you're using it for the Commonwealth. And, you know, it, it you is. know, this is for the benefit of the public. So absolutely. I'd, yeah. ra- I'd rather yeah. the, you know, if you said, no, we drove, we spent 150 bucks in gas to drive the Woolies in the strip district to buy, <laughs> uh, you know, no offense to Luke Woolley, you know, but you know, yeah. it's like, okay, that would be a little ridiculous when you can harvest it from, our lake, which is the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we're not taking fish away from anglers because the sanctuary is the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a nice resource for us. And it, like I said, it, it also helps us with our population control in that lake. That's cool. So, Yeah, I'd imagine it's it... like any lake. It needs calling to thrive. It's yep. not going to thrive if you leave everything in it. I thought how, that was much, int- how much movement do you see from the sanctuary out into the main lake or did do, do the fish in the sanctuary pretty much stay in the sanctuary they they pretty much stay, stay in the sanctuary um i don't know i don't know all the ins and outs i know there's a spillway once they leave the sanctuary it's hard for a crappy to you know jump up a five-foot wall yeah. <laughs> it could be possible but you know as far as stuff like that you know i don't think there's a lot of like in and out of the of the sanctuary I want to go back a little bit here because I know I've been to the hatchery and I've had some pretty cool experiences up there, but like back to this open house, like there's a couple other draw, like you mentioned some of the booths and tables and things that you guys have set up, but like, do you, do you guys do like a tour of the facility too? Like, is that, cause I know you guys have, we wanted to talk about the fish tank. Oh right? yeah, that's, that's like one of the big attractions to the to the hatchery there. But like, what else do you guys do? Uh, for just for the open house, yeah, uh, we actually have live spawning demonstrations. Um, since it Ooh. is walleye season right now, we'll actually have uh, we have bleachers that we'll set up downstairs in our hatch house, <laughs> and I will be talking through. Uh, what we like how we spawn walleye how we get the eggs and what the eggs do go to the fry and everything else but we'll we'll walk you through that process is there a soundtrack um, like bounce chicka wow wow <laughs> dim <laughs> the lights when it's uh... <laughs> dim the lights <laughs> this is how you milk a walleye <laughs> <laughs> depends on the hatcher you're at i guess <laughs> hey you're talking we're talking we got a big big plans for this year we can step it up we'll get some production going yeah, yeah. Ryan Reed can run spotlight and lighting <laughs> and, and DJ. Hire uh-huh. a DJ here for yep. the hatchery. Sounds like Got Owen it. should be the DJ there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like it. So, so yeah, this the open house. Is it free to anybody that wants to come? Yeah, it is. It's free. Um, there are so it's free to the public. There's things that you guys like you would have to pay for, like at the hatchery itself. Um, I believe uh, the food that we have available, um, I think it's a girls soccer uh, soccer team from the local high school. They're doing a fundraiser for their athletics. So you can get food from them. Um, Obviously, there's the free fish samples. Um, This year we're doing or or there's a booth. uh, I think it's share the harvest. which it's all wild game. So it's venison. They're going to have venison tastings there too uh, this year. So I don't know how much deer they're bringing, but we've got a lot of fish to fry up. So hmm. step up their game. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. So the, how, so talk to us a little bit about the fish tank. Cause oh, I know yes, like we're here. 
I'm assuming that oh, like yeah. when you okay when you walk into the the Linesville Hatchery for for those of us that have been there like there's all this stuff you guys have on the wall like you have some of these like the the fish mounts and you have all this stuff I think you guys still have like a TV and a display in there like playing some of the fish and boat videos and things like that but like it's really hard to miss like dead center of the room there that giant fish tank so what do you guys have going on in the fish tank this year so we have so all the fish that are in the fish tank come from the sanctuary and it's just kind of it's really cool uh we we have a display of all sorts of different fish um anywhere between your common carp your quill backs um we have one really big muskie in there this year compared to what we typically have in there. Now, everybody don't go fishing for it. You got to, we got to tell the dirty <laughs> Pittsburghers there's a 40 incher, but don't everybody go running up after them. Yep. Yep. Um, we have channel catfish in that, in the tank there. We have two gigantic flatheads um, that are, that were caught in the sanctuary this year. Um, and some crappy that you don't, you wouldn't even believe are crappy bass. Like, I have pretty, pretty large hands and like it belittles those. So it's pretty cool. Everything that we have in there and watching them all coexist. Everybody gets along. Those yeah. Flatheads yeah. Every, every once in a while, the, the flatheads uh, make a couple crappy disappear. <laughs> so the, the, you'd say the flathead are kind of the bosses of the tank. Uh, kinda, yeah. They don't look like it because they oh, just but, sit yeah, down there. But the they bar. know they are. They know they're the yeah. boss. Yeah. If the lights ever go out and you go there, the flatheads are active and they're like, all right, there you are swimming around. <laughs> I could eat right any now. of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what's the musky forage that's in there? Like, I mean, do, do you feed it? Do yeah. you feed these we'll, fish individually? Yeah, we'll say uh, some smaller bluegill and some uh, some gizzard shads and we'll, we'll put them in there um, because obviously they have nothing to eat other than what's Each in other. that tank. Yeah. So, um yeah, every week we'll do that, and it lasts pretty long. That's um, a job that's – there's a lot of weight riding on that job because if you forget to feed those fish. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we get people that come into the hatchery, and, you know, the, the little daughters and little sons, you know, they're actually like, oh, you know, where, where's that one fish at? We named him, like, you know, <laughs> Guppy or something like that. You know, they, they actually have pictures with the fish, like, oh. behind them, so – it happened. Nature. Yeah. I uh last time I was up, man, I, I think the muskie that you guys in the had in the tank was probably like I'm gonna say like thirty-five, maybe thirty-six, some somewhere in there. Yeah. And he was just like chilling. It was just yeah. like super chilling like the whole time. I I spent like forty five minutes just watching him. Every, <laughs> it's just super cool. Everyone loved that muskie last year. We got so many comments on that one. They're like, that muskie and they're so nice. Good personality. (laughs) Mr. Personality, yeah. He would come up like if someone was looking at the tank, I swear that the muskie would be like, oh, I'm going to come up close to them so they can see me better. This is is perfect. This is a question I had. This was as soon as we were talking about this, before the call even started, before the podcast, this was what I was thinking in my head. And we can edit. This is another one we can edit out. This is pushing too far. So after hours, everyone's gone. Nobody's watching. Have you experimented with the musk? If you pulled anything out of the tackle box, held it up to the tank, oh, that'd, that'd, be the, that'd be the first thing I would do. I'd be, I'd be trying different colors to see if I could get a reaction, like holding sheets of paper up, like red paper, green paper, black paper. Like, I mean, I've never thought of that, to be honest with you, but 
You can, start, you can start charging Tom to come there at night. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> run like Pavlovian experiments on your other yeah. musky. Who's that person in the visitor center? floppers. He pays us a hundred bucks to test lures. Yeah. Goes into the into the holding state holding fund. holding my grubs up to the tank and pulling yeah. them back and seeing if. So I, I got it. Go ahead, Nick. As I said, as soon as I see like a like an eight inch grub at the bottom of the tank, I know. <laughs> I left evidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not be a saying in the tank. No, no, I'm not. I don't want to go in the tank. I'm saying holding it up to the tank, seeing if you can gauge your reaction. You know, like if he charges at it. You know. Or, so there, there's a lot of cool things that you guys do up there, and like I've been lucky enough to see. Like you talked about the walleyes. Like I, I remember, you know, looking at some of those. Like the, I don't want to say the raceways. Like the indoor, like where you guys are doing the majority of your work. Like. I remember looking in there and there being like 2 million walleyes in there and it's just insane, but there's so much more that you guys are doing. And one of the questions I have that really like blew my mind was, do you guys, do you know, Nick, if you guys still do like the catfish derby for like, I think it's North park. We're, we're trying to get something set up for programs like that. There's nothing set in stone. Um, We're trying to raise catfish to an older stage you know, so that we can do something like that. But I don't know if it's happening in the foreseeable future right now. I was, I was just curious. Cause I know there was a point where you guys were doing like a kid's derby and I yeah. remember asking about it and it was like all like in order to get those fish out of like the lower tank that's, or the lower, uh, I guess pond, like it was all like hook and line, like, or, you know, you was like rod and reel. You had to get each catfish out to be able to stop. Yeah. I, like I wasn't there for that, but yeah, that's what I heard. It was between, yeah, just catching them out of the pond just so we could stock them out somewhere else, you know, it's that all pretty cool. It's so cool. Like, it's just like <laughs> such a cool thing to me. Yeah. You know, all that stuff that you guys do. I'd have so been all over that as a kid. Yeah. Like, so, you know, looking at, you got the open house coming up. I'm sure, you know, you guys will be ready to go for that. I'm sure, you know, that'll probably be a giant relief after that one's done for you. But like, what else, uh, like what else, as far as the hatchery, like you guys are doing the walleye stuff. Now you got the open house, like what's next on the plate then for the, for Linesville? Uh, next on So after, after open house and the walleye, um, we really kick off like the warm water stocking season after our walleye have been in the ponds for like 28 to like 35 days. Um, once we harvest those, our big ponds, or four acre ponds, first ones you see driving in, as soon as we harvest those ones, uh, we're going to be stalking like those phase one walleyes all across the state, which is, it's, it's a cool process, you know. Um, then after that, we'll be stalking out, hopefully stalking out the, the musky yearlings. Um, come this winter, they were already at 10 inches, uh, which is awesome for oh. them uh we're hoping they gain another three maybe four inches before we start stocking them out um and that will be in the late june july time period um that's always fun then after that we kind of coast in the fall um i know in the past um you guys have asked for the public's help in terms of you know 
being part of stalking. I know that's something I've always wanted to take my kids to, to check out with, you know, not just the musky stalking, but really any stalking. And mm-hmm. so what, you know, what is the commission still looking for people to help out or is that not, not something you do anymore? A lot of, so a lot of the help that the, the fish and boat commission has asked for is for the trout stockings uh, that, that were going on pre-season, now in-season stockings. Those are the ones that have the schedules posted online. Um, but that's a lot of manual labor because you're stocking adult trout. Um, you need you need a lot of bodies there just to hand buckets down, do a bucket chain or carry a bucket two minutes down the, the creek just to dump them in the creek. Uh, that's where the majority of those stockings th- that they were asking for help. Um, as far as like warm, cool water stockings, we don't have those announced. Um, mostly because it's it's something that we really don't want any stress going on the fish when they're going in mm-hmm. the water too. Um, That's good. Yeah, you know, I know if I was a you know a four a fourteen year old kid trying to fish for any kind of fish, and I just see a bunch of like thirteen inch muskies go in there. Hell yeah, I'm gonna be trying my best to catch one of them. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, we saw it. I've I literally I've seen it before, and it was like. I thought about that too. I was like kind of bummed out, but at the same time, I'm like, if I was tenured, I'd be all over that. I'd be chucking my Panther Martin right at the nets. Like, oh, I'd yeah. be like, put that muskie right here. Stalk <laughs> him a little closer to me. Like, that's usually yeah. how I know that the stalking took place is because you start catching mm. the ones. <laughs> well, you see the pictures popping <laughs> up on social media. You see, you get Instagrams flooded with the 15 inch muskie. You're like, yeah. oh, there was a stalking. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe it the one year. It was like all of a sudden you'd. Just started catching like these, you know, 12, 14 inches on while you're trolling around Edinburgh Lake. It's just <laughs> they're they're getting right after it. You know, that that makes me excited just to see, you know, that the stockings are working and, and they are pursuing, you know, bait, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're pursuing. Like, well, yeah. do they do they go for <laughs> I know they're on mainly a dry pellet uh you know, diet, but do they go back to a minnow diet just prior to release to try um, to get that instinct back or no? No, I, I think they have that instinct in them all the time because the first time we ever give them minnows, it's just like they've been like licking their chops waiting for this day. <laughs> They're like, we knew this was going to happen. Like mayhem. <laughs> We've yeah. been here before. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see how, how many minnows they can stuff in their little bellies, you know, but uh yeah, no, they, they get minnows uh, spread out between. We don't want them to ever forget that dry feed is food. You know, that's that's how we get the price of muskies down low for us as, as a production. Um, and that's something that we really pride ourselves actually at Linesville. And I, I can't take any credit for that. It's all my predecessors um, and the fish cultures that do all that work here at the hatchery because muskies are the most tedious fish that you can ever raise. Um, super sensitive, a lot of labor, just cleaning up, just, just keeping their tanks clean. Um, but yeah, they don't forget. That's for sure. On the other end of the spectrum, what would you say is the easiest, most hands-off fish to raise? No, but in all reality though, uh, our golden shiners and bluegill are, they're super simple. You fill up a pond, put some in there, um, just maintain, you know, 
maintain the weeds so that you don't get caught up whenever you're harvesting them so i mean that kind of makes sense because that's what you see kind of doing well on its own like thriving in little ponds and yeah yeah you know, that's your bluegill that's probably not as critical too if you're you know losing a couple here and there versus yeah <laughs> the muskies are a much lower number overall than doesn't cost as much to raise a bluegill right no very <laughs> very little Wow. So, so we can that's cool. go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, we kind of glazed over, like you took us through the schedule and what's next, but we didn't really talk about the musky spawning portion of that. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of, I know that's a big deal for you guys. Old. Yeah. That's a real, that's a real big one. Uh, it is. And I'm nervous for this just because it is my first year spawning muskies. Um, I don't want to miss it, which I know we won't. Um, We've been checking every female that we've been getting in the nets as of recently. None of them have been ripe yet. They're all been green, which is good for us because that means we didn't miss anything. Um, but we're going to be going probably to the main lake after open house. So probably starting the week of April 10th, we'll probably start trap netting the main lake, uh, pine tuming, and hopefully catching some ripe females uh, to bring back to the hatchery and spawn. I was going to so, ask, you said you caught some in the sanctuary. Do you see like a difference in like their, uh, I don't know what your ripeness between the two bodies of water? Does this, I would always think the sanctuary would be like a little bit ahead since it's so shallow. Uh, it, depends, so quick. It, it depends on where you're at on the sanctuary. Uh, the north end of the sanctuary, we found out that it's, it's pretty on point with what Pimatuming Lake is temperature wise. Okay. But the south end of the lake, it's like a solid five to six degrees warmer, which is pretty cool because right now I'm seeing it with the walleye. The walleye, all the ripe walleye that we're getting are from that southern area where it's warmer. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's shallower, you know. And for the people that aren't around here, we've mentioned it a few times now the sanctuary. Could you just give like our Wisconsin listeners like the the rundown on what the sanctuary is yeah so the sanctuary so linesville state fish hatchery um is right up next it, it butts right up next to the pimatumic sanctuary which is a 2500 acre body of water that is managed through the game commission the park service and the fish and boat commission um game commission obviously manages it for uh geese and uh, waterfowl um and we try to manage it our best for walleye and muskie um and crappy actually so it's a kind of a cool like tri division uh operation that we have going on here um we actually lease the property that the hatchery is on here through i believe the game commission don't quote me on that one um, but I'm pretty sure it's the game commission that we lease this property off of uh, every like 30 years, I believe. That's a cool, like if anybody hasn't looked at it, look at the Pima Tumini Hatchery on aerials. It's, it's an impressive facility there. Yeah. We, at, ponds and... During trap netting season, it's pretty cool because the boat actually comes right into the, to, into the hatchery itself. Okay. Boat slip where we raise the garage door up. The, the guys who just got done checking the nets uh drive the boat right into the uh right into the hatch house and 
Mm. From where we offload all the brood fish into our tanks, which is it's really nice, super easy for the guys. That's what I thought was wild. Was I heard from somewhere that they used to just sane in the in the sanctuary to get minnows to feed the muskies before they converted them to dry feed. Yeah, yeah. We we used to try to raise. Um, we used to have just gigantic production ponds for uh, fathead minnows, but. Uh, we don't have quite the space to really get that going again, or we never really had it going either in the past. We never had it. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot more effective for us to bring them in and stock them that way. They're always healthy and right. Don't have to worry about running out. This is uh, I mean, and, and it's important to say that that area is off limits for fishermen. Yeah, it's a sanctuary for right, right, right. But I'm just saying that in his GPS right now. He's I'm just saying an apple sanctuary because you know there's or... there's a yinzer out there at some point that's like, oh, I'm gonna go hey, fish shit. that sanctuary. You ever fished that sanctuary? I'm ever, not kidding. I'm going go up a sanctuary this weekend. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is a serious uh, phone call I just had. As of March 31st, I believe it was, and uh, it was an older gentleman that called and was asking me, uh, he's like, hey, he goes, I heard that the Fish and Boat Commission's finally allowing the public to fish the sanctuary after 30 years of not being able to, and I like, you ruined this guy's day. I'm like, whoever you heard that from. It is not true whatsoever. <laughs> like you cannot be fishing that. And uh, I guess his older brother told him about it, and he sounded like he was in his eighties. So that's a- uh, that's the kind of feel. That's the kind of phone calls you got to field as the uh, the Linesville hatchery manager now. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I'm like, oh man, this is this ain't good. So you haven't you haven't been through the musky spawning yet. So I'm sure you're you're fairly excited. And I know oh, like. For us as fishermen, I mean, that's what you guys do is the lifeblood to our fisheries. Like we, we couldn't go out on any given day of the week and catch a muskie without the work you guys are doing. So, you know, number one, thank you for all the hard work. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate everything you guys are doing from all species, but muskies in particular. But, you know, also, like, we're really curious to, you know, to see how some of this stuff goes. And, you know, I think some of us are active with the club and there's a lot of guys that, um, you know, have been active, maybe asking questions and things like that. Like, I'm sure you you heard, you know, at that one Muskie Zinc meeting, like what you guys are going to get through this. And or is there, I guess, I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but are you guys going to put, is there going to be any public information out there at some point? you know, regarding the, the program? Um, uh, other than probably the biologist reports that they're going out there and the biologist report reports are going to probably signify that, you know, our musky stockings have been relatively successful, like throughout the years. Um, we have a management plan. I'm not sure if that's public information or not. To be yeah. Honest. I think the, it's usually the management, uh, is, the management noted plan. In- I believe is public I, and I yeah. believe it had been updated. I don't know, maybe like 2017 or something. So in, yeah. in, and it gives like kind of like the general overview of the program, but it doesn't give a ton of, you know, hyper-specific detail. Yeah. Uh, some some of the biologist reports go into yeah. the, 
numbers and catch rate or whatever. No, I was just curious, you know, like one of the things that I loved, like every once in a while seeing like, you know, video from the raceways, those muskies just chowing on minnows and things like that. And I, I think that's just such a cool aspect to all of this. Um, and I, like I said before, you know, I've, I've been fairly lucky to be, to see some of that, that process and like reap the benefits. I mean, we all reap the benefits of that, you know, we're out there on the water, but I had like an experience like a couple years ago where, you know, I was up, I was able to help see the spawning and then I was up, I was able to help with stalking. This goes years, years back, but, and then like two years after we stalked those fish, I ended up catching a, a fish that was in that year class, like pretty positive. It was in that year class. And I mean, dude, that like, that meant everything to me because it was just so cool to like, you know, get those updates and see all that stuff. So I was just, and then when you catch a fish like that on the water, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's yeah. a really cool feeling. And, and to, to your point, like, I mean, we can all vouch for, for you when it comes to the stocking effort too. Like, I mean, you guys are catching fish. We're, we're all catching fish. Like guys that are out there, the musky fish, they're, they're catching fish and, you know, we're starting to see some really good fish too. And that's a product of all that hard work. So I don't know. I was just kind of curious about the updates myself, like how some of that information was going to be available, if it was going to be available. I know there's probably a lot of guys that are, that are thinking about that, you know, but no, that's cool. We'll have to check the biologist reports out. Yeah. And if I get any, any more information about that, I'll uh, pass it on for sure. I know. So, I'm always, I was always when, looking on my phone. You can, there used to be the site where you could see like the historical stockings and stuff. That's such a good resource too. Like for any new musky anglers, like I had it bookmarked on my home screen. Like if you're just out there exploring new lakes and stuff, that's, that's like the Bible for you. I mean, oh yeah, I think it was so people didn't show up for uh trout stocking dates during COVID. It was like deactivated for yeah, a while. Yeah, they took it. Yeah, it's, it's back. It's back now. You mm-hmm. can search all the history. Uh, that's what there's one like I always look at, and it got tiger muskies like in 2005 was the last stocking. And I'm like, maybe there's a huge one in there. Like a gigantic <laughs> screenshot like it, save it for another day, maybe yeah. somewhere to explore. I'm sure like once you guys get through the uh, spawning too, like I'll, I'll, I'll probably shoot you a message and just ask you. Cause the one thing that always blew my mind was like how you guys go through that process. And like, I don't know if it's still the same as it was years ago, but with that tube that you're like milking the males with man, yeah. like the whole, the, the whole Ryan thing. loves this part. I'm, he I'm keeps like, going back to it. it. No, I'm just so, I'm so fascinated. You guys don't even know. Back around to this one. If, if I could have went to school for something other than what I did, it would have been some sort of like biology and I would have been just heavily involved in some sort of fish. Like that's, that's where I ultimately wanted to be in my career. And somehow I ended up working on computers, like not even close, close. <laughs> but it's just fascinating, man. It's just this to hear and see pictures and that, and, and you know, to kind of see it firsthand, like it, it's unreal. And I was curious about that. If you guys ever found a solution to the, uh, the, the male milk stopper. No, 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 we haven't. <laughs> oh, that's right. He had to use his mouth. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's probably some other techniques we could be using. What about that, one but... of those? So I was, I don't, I, I f- completely forgot to tell you about this. I was thinking about this, Ryan, a while ago. Like th- when you get a fish tank, the pump has like a, I don't know what they call it, but it's something that makes sure it doesn't flood. Like if the power goes out, it makes sure your pump doesn't flood. It's like a one way path for the air and like, it, I wonder if you put one of those in the pump. 
if you could get it through one way, it would keep it from, you know what I mean? I don't know, for, There's a name for the, it's like it's some kind of thing that goes on a fish tank pump. Someone out there knows what I'm talking about. Like there's, a check valve? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I wonder if that would do it. There's no substitute for the extra protein that Nick's <laughs> about to get. Mmm, <laughs> salty. I'm excited. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'm excited for you. Yeah, that'll be oh. exciting for a first do you have to get like uh cut proof gloves for for the first time? Have you handled a lot of them before? Yeah, well, now I've been handling a lot more as of recently since I've moved over here and the first one gashed me open so mm. bad. How did so that happen? When, well, I was afraid well, I didn't bring pliers cuz I wasn't ready to uh to catch a muskie. Uh, it was the first one I caught and it was like a 45-ish inch muskie. It was a real healthy one. And I was getting ready to grab it right underneath the jaw, and uh, it just, it's thrashed. Hand went right in the mouth. Just, oh, it was was bad. Mm. And I actually remember, like, I have some spray in my truck that's supposed to, like, stop the bleeding as fast as you can. I remember spraying it on my hands, and I just kept on fishing. I'm so excited, you know, after catching that. They're the worst cuts, too, because they just bleed like that. I don't know what it is. There's like an anticoagulant or something. It's not like a if you cut yourself with a knife, it stops bleeding. A musky, too, yeah. it'll, it'll bleed and bleed and bleed. It, it just, yeah, it kept on bleeding, and uh, it got my nice brand new rod that I, I had seasoned pretty fast. Ooh, there you so, go. That's, that's good that's luck. Good. Yeah. Make it in that way, yeah. Got to get the cork camouflage so it doesn't look too bright. <laughs> yeah. Got to trip, rub, rub some mud in it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just rub some dirt on it; it'll be That's fine. Right. Yeah. It's like battle scars. It's a rite of passage. Oh yeah. Some of us do that intentionally around the <laughs> net. Some of us like to jam our hands in there. Like to live on the edge. Uh huh. So I have a question. Going back to like the the both the stocking of the yearling muskies and you going out and doing the trap nets for this year's like the timing wise. So are you, you're going out and getting next year's brood stock prior to putting in the yearlings from last year, right? Yes, correct. Okay. And the, the yearlings will be what about 16 inches. We hope. Uh, some of the bigger ones. Yes. Uh, the goal is to get them over 13 uh for sure uh they'll be 13 inches 13 plus inches um every year the the bigger we get them um obviously the survival rate is going to be going up through the roof but we also have to look at things as like a uh cost per unit or cost per muskie uh which is something that we worry about and and honestly the muskie club helps us a lot with that Um, and that's that's something that we wanted to talk about a little bit, a little bit later was, you know, the chapter 16. And I know, I don't know if any other clubs do it, but I know chapter 16 has a significant, uh, you know, drive to, to raise money specifically with the intention of buying muskie, buying minnows just to feed these muskies that are up Mm -hmm. there at Linesville. Like it, because it is not cheap to keep these voracious animals fed. Oh yeah. No, it is not cheap. I think there's a couple different clubs that like uh Nittany Valley. Yeah, I Muskie didn't want to say Alliance it was just and... chapter 16 because I, I had a feeling that I think Nittany Valley Club and, and yep. some others put in. Yeah. 
chapter 16 is the one that I've been more the most familiar with, obviously. Um, I got to reach out to the Nittany, see what's going on over there, actually, because I don't know anyone over that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know where we were going with this. It's just expensive to raise muskies. Oh yeah, to, to the to the size to, to the size that we want to get them, um, and there's like a big push. I wouldn't say it's really a big push, but when we are stocking out these muskies, uh, we have a small small window because we don't want to be stocking these muskies out whenever the water temperatures are are getting too warm. Uh, I know a couple of years ago, um, you know, put a lot of stress on the muskies whenever you're stocking in July and August. And whenever you get like a, a day where the temperature is like 95 degrees, you know, the, the tanks, the, the, the water on the trucks are getting so warm so fast. And uh, we don't want those muskies to be lethargic going out there. What is um, the ideal water temp to be putting them out? Or as you go by water temp or air temp, I assume water temp. Water temperature we, we go by. We always try to stock them within five degrees uh, for the muskies. Uh, Keep them in the 60s. 60s would be perfect. It would be great. And are the, um, oh, my bad, man. I was going to say, are the tanks kept constant their whole life, or are you adjusting the temperatures? No, so the, the temperatures, uh, all, the, all the water going through our musky in it right now um, is all lake water. Um, we can actually put a little bit of well water, which cools down the temperature if needed. You know, so if our if our muskies are, the, if the dissolved oxygen in the water is starting to get pretty low we actually can put a little bit of well water in there which cools the water down and gives a little bit more oxygen that was just that was like something i was always curious about is if they were like kept in like a tank that was kept at like 65 degrees until they hit the river and that was like the first time they saw temperature changes yeah they were that's cool that they're exposed to temperature changes like from newborn yeah it's like no it is It's, it's nice like the trout hatcheries and stuff, they are all located in places where the they have a cold water source. Yeah, they're either all run off of well water or like cold springs. Yeah. Um, it's usually one of the two. Um, uh, with us using lake water, that's kind of unique. Because it wouldn't really be like economical anywhere to, to set up like chillers or anything like that for, no, for no, the, not- the scale that you guys do. Yeah. Let me not, let me not ask like this. Bass Pro, not like <laughs> Bass Pro. He says, "Let me ask this, and this might be a tough one for you." And I'm trying not to 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 drill you too much here, but you know, you talk you talk about the cost, and like that's something that you know I think the average angler really doesn't think about. Even like your walleye and all that, like again, like all the work and and the resources that go into this stuff, like. Do you know, do you have any, like, I guess where I want to go with this is like that voluntary musky permit, right? That's, mm-hmm. we've been pushing that for a couple of years now. Like whenever you guys release that program, I feel like that's probably one of the, the coolest things that we could do from the state, because that's not so much giving us a voice, but it's giving us a way to contribute to, I guess, essentially the fishery, like to you guys to get whatever you would need. Like, is that something, has that been fairly useful from just the limited experience you have, like for this program to just continue to be sustained or at least offshoot some of that cost? So, yeah, um, it helps us with, the Muskie Stamp has helped us with buying gear specifically used for our 
muskie unit and feeding the muskies too. Um, I believe we've used that money to buy the snap feeders that we have at the hatchery here. And that's just, it's just an easier way for us to broadcast feed more evenly so that all the muskies can eat more feed actually, you know, um, I haven't personally gotten into it quite yet and I'm sure I will be soon. Um, because there was talk about that a couple months ago, actually, there was a talk about that. Uh, someone asked me about how much money do I get from those? And I don't know yet, to be honest. Um, yeah. That's something I'm going to have to reach out to my manager, honestly, to get oh, more yeah. information on. No, that's, I was just that's curious. That's too high for me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and that's fine. That's fine because, you know, we're not I trying to experience it yet. We're not trying to like drill you. Not I was just all. curious because, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of those things, man, that I hear this from other states, like even surrounding states, you know, like West Virginia, Ohio. New York, like some of these guys that we talk to, they're really heavily into musky fishing. Like that permit for us as anglers here in this state to be able to contribute to something because a lot of us are full-time musky fishermen now, you know, yeah. like I might fish for trout for a day here, day there, whatever, but like, I'm really kind of focused on muskies at this point. And I don't know, just that's such a special program for us as anglers to be able to contribute to something that's going to help you guys raise these fish. Cause I mean, again, like going back to the results, like Nick, you guys, all of us can vouch for that. Like we're seeing the benefits of the program and the stocking and the work you guys are putting in, you know, we're catching fish in PA that I never thought we would be able to catch in PA. You know, Tom, we've talked about this. Like when we first started musky fishing, like we did, we didn't necessarily know what we had. We just were like, oh, we don't live in Canada. We don't live. I was in like, Minnesota. it's not worth musky fishing. I this live isn't in worth musky fishing. Yeah. But then, but then you look at some of our lakes and like, even Cannon Dota, like Owen, like there's, there's fish there. And I literally, know, I remember, you know, Brandon, I literally used to make fun of people with him. Like, look at that guy musky fishing. Like, why would he fish for musky in Pennsylvania? Like what a jackass. Now, like here I am these years yeah, later, dude. like tripping but, over musky lures. Like some of these lakes, like years ago, you, you could go out and not expect to catch a fish. Like now after the work and the effort in that program being established, like, I'm not saying we expect to catch a fish, but we we have a lot more confidence going into these lakes, like on any given day to say like, we're going to put a muskie in the bag. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, that, I think that permit could be a really, it's going to continue to be a really good thing. And I think it could be something that helps continue to sustain, if not grow the program, you know, cause that's, that's what, at least from the musky fisherman standpoint, that's what we want to see. We want to be able to fish here at home. We don't want to have to travel to Ohio, New York, you know, all these other places, Canada. And I just, I don't know. I think we're seeing it and it's, it's just been an overall positive thing. So I was just curious, you know, you'll probably get there and, and get into some of that, but I was just curious if you, you had thoughts on that one. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I definitely like, I love the musky scan. Uh, I think it's a huge way for it to help out the hatchery too itself. Um, but as far as dealing with it itself mm -hmm. yet, I have not. Um, so I'm sure I will here in this, this next year uh, coming up, but yeah, I'm looking it'll forward a, to seeing what we can get. It'll be a big year know, for you. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, do we know how the musky stamp compares like monetarily? How has it done compared to the other, 
voluntary stamps because they have voluntary stamps for bass and walleye and whatnot, right? Yeah, they do. I in yeah, I don't know if you missed this part, but I don't. I haven't dealt with the the musky stamp yet myself. At least the money that we've gotten from it. Okay. Um. So that's. I just have. I just haven't been here long enough for that. Gotcha. So. Well, this is cool because so this podcast is like beginning musky fishermen, right? So we're gonna get Nick's journey like as a beginning linesville hatchery manager as he progresses into like this master linesville hatchery manager with then he can tell us what he what he wants he can, to buy for the hatchery. Yeah, yeah he can we'll... come back come back every year, like we'll get his update, what he yeah. learned this year, you know. We we'll can follow press. his journey through it. We'll go press everybody into buying their musky stamps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Tell us he was able to buy it. Make t-shirts. Buy your muskie stamp yet? That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we got a guy that'll be all over making a t-shirt if we get Gene's, Nate. Gene's get your stamp yet? Gene's <laughs> get stamp. your stamp. I mean, I I basically guilt my entire family into it, and that, like my dad has never fished for muskies ever. Like he went one time with me last year, or might have been this year. I don't even remember, but you know, my brother's buying it now. And he's starting to get into musky fishing. You know, my wife, she doesn't fish for muskies, but you guarantee she's buying her musky permit, you know? Yeah. You know, it, this is actually kind of a funny story. Uh, my mom used to go fishing with my father all the time. And I keep on talking to my mom. I'm like, you ever going to go fishing again? She goes, I want to go catch one fish and one fish only. And that's a musky. And I'm like, nice. really? She's like, I just want to catch a musky. And she's like, I can officially retire from fishing happily so she's still under the impression you have to beat it over the head with a with a baseball bat <laughs> like that. I say, you don't have to do that one. like no no, no. So. you just gotta be like i named that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. we've heard stories of <laughs> stories of people shooting them shooting oh, yeah. them with guns yeah. yeah that those are the stories that my mom tells you know the old yeah but the she's never caught one so she she's due Oh, that's awesome, so, man. I have uh I have one another question, and this is gonna be a really tough one for you. Oh, I was boy. I was debating this one this one comes uh from we're gonna say an honorary hunk. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say names because you might get upset with me. Oh god. But you know, like one of the events that happened over the last couple of years, and I'm gonna go there. I probably shouldn't go there, but you know Woodcock Lake. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we have we have this we have this issue at Woodcock, and you know I I've gotten more background and things like that, and I don't necessarily want to get into that part of it, but you know as far as like managing a body of water where you I don't want to say a disaster, but when you have an issue like what happened on Woodcock, like how do you guys are you tasked with anything particular for like Woodcock to be able to? Like are the hatcheries involved in some of that? Like to be able to supplement fish or reintroduce fish, or, or is it really like wasn't that you know that critical? Like I don't even know the full status of it, but is that something that you can get into, or do we want to just shy away from that one? I'll be honest, I I have very little knowledge. I, I've heard about the Woodcock deal, um, but I don't really know exactly what happened in detail. Sounds like um, a sci-fi episode. The Woodcock <laughs> incident. The Woodcock yeah. files. Yeah. yeah. But uh, as far as that goes, um, you know, the, the hatchery involvement with those is just 
once we get the request on what to stock it with, you know, we're going to be right then and there and stock it. Um, and does that all come from the biologists? Yes. Yes. Okay. That comes all from the biologists. Um, and, you know, they, they do a pretty good job with that, at least the request numbers and everything like that. Woodcock so, Creek's still booming. Catch all kinds of walleyes and muskies in there. Really? <laughs> see, but that's that's kind of like a huge deal, too, because, like, a lot of people don't understand. You know, you, you see something like that on the news or you, wherever, Facebook. You know, you're not always getting, like, good information on social media at all. Yeah. But, like, really? you think of, Wait. Yeah. <laughs> you're, do you remember that commercial where it's like my boyfriend, I met my boyfriend online, he's French and he shows up and he's like, bonjour. <laughs> well, well, like, you know, like just to know that <laughs> the biologists are, they analyze that stuff and then they make the request to you guys to kind of fill the gap, you know, whenever it's needed. I think that's the point, you know, it's like whenever due time and these things take time too. like we mentioned Donegal and, and some of the, the the levels of stocking you guys are doing, mm-hmm. you know, and you're you're planning that out and you're doing that for a reason. I think that's the takeaway there. Like when it's when the request's made, you guys are gonna be Johnny on the spot and fill those, I don't wanna say fill orders. Like you say requests and I immediately go to like a ticketing system, you know. <laughs> it, 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 it is. Three thousand yeah. crappy for <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. something weird because, like, when you saw that go down, everybody blew up immediately. And it's like, just take a breath. They're going to figure it out. Like, and then, like you said before, it's not like they show up with a giant, like, five million gallon aquarium and musky go and basco and everything's coming in the lake. It's all back to normal. Yay. It's like, it's that's not how it works. So, I especially enjoy that whole, like, overreaction because every time I fish there, mm. there's like, one guy in a kayak there's no one, like, <laughs> it's not, but everyone's up in arms oh, because yeah, like, oh. but, yeah i think it's just the not knowing you know really? like in general like we just have this like kind of a warped perception when something like that happens but you know it's reassurance i mean just to ask the question like nick you know it's reassurance for all the guys that are wondering that might listen to this like hey it's going to be a phased approach and you know mm-hmm. you address it as you need to address it so the biologists are the are the ones I think we all need to trust, you know, when they're out there doing the the analysis and the reporting and things like that. I mean, that's I don't want to say it gets lost, but the average fisherman doesn't think about that mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Yeah, before if you're a fisherman, before you get mad at the biologist, think back to like ninth grade biology and think, where up was I that good in biology class? Should I be getting mad at this guy right now? Right. Like, yeah. he probably knows it. Have I surveyed this lake? Yeah. No. Yeah. When was the last time I opened a biology book? <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh all right. We'll we'll move past that one. Uh so what else, you know, what else do you guys have going on there? Like you're you're ramping up, like this is probably a busy time. Like you mentioned, you know, you guys are working, you know, and I know like just from talking to guys before, like sometimes uh you guys are working nonstop there for a while. You know, and it's a lot of work and probably pressure. So what, you know, what else do you guys have on the plate? Let me ask, let me ask a a specific question. And that is that, do you guys talk about, and maybe this is a biologist issue and maybe this is, uh, you know, a hatchery issue. Is there a, any discussion in terms of, okay, how do we produce the largest or the best, most hardy muscalunge 
um, or whatever, you know, whatever species. And then how do you go? Do you choose what lake you guys say, okay, we're going to get our brood stock from Pymy or from whatever lake? You know, is it the biologist telling you guys, this is your brood stock lake? Here's where you should go set up your trap nets. Or do they give that to you? Say, hey, we need X amount of muskies. You make you you make them however you can. Yeah, so that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the like, just for the brood lake example, there, um, a lot of the stuff has to be factored in, into like what lake is close to Linesville State Fish Hatchery that is disease free and we can make into a brood lake uh, that we don't have to drive very far to actually get the, the muskies that we need for our production year. You know, obviously we're taking eggs and then from eggs, we have to kind of figure out like, all right, we, we have to take 1 million eggs to get, let's say 20,000 muskie yearlings, you know, that's just, just throwing it out there. Um, but all that has to get in factored. We don't want to be driving four hours one way just to get muskies for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as like making the strongest, healthiest muskies, um, a lot of the, like the weaker, uh, nutrient deficient muskies usually don't make it past like three inches. Um, once they start, once we send them outside from our hatch house, the ones that are out there, those are, those are strongest or healthiest muskies. Um, and they, they continue to grow pretty, pretty large. Every once in a while, you'll get a muskie. The ones that are like 15, 16 inches when you're stalking them out, those are the ones that they, they ate too many of their friends <laughs> Go, going along, you know. Thriving. And, and once it's hard to get potentially a, a, the next Kinzu, a giant, you know, muskie that gets stalked out just because he did get a head start um, going to, you know, eating some of his friends. So I don't know if that really answers your question necessarily. Um, no, it does. I it mean, does. it, it I mean, really, it's and, you guys are choosing where to get your stocks from. You yeah, know, you're not being directed. Like you have to get five muskies from, you know, Lake X, and you need to get four muskies from Lake X in order to keep their genetic pools separate. Uh, yeah, I was just about to talk about the genetic pools, you know, and th that's also in our management plan. Uh, if we can get muskies out of sanctuary, that's good for us. Cause we, the last probably four or five years, we really haven't been able to get muskies out of the sanctuary. Um, we get muskies out of, uh, Pima Tuming Reservoir. Um, muskies come from Eaton, Eaton Lake. Uh, that's also where they get the Northern Pike right now for the tiger muskie spawn. Um, there's. Two other ones, I believe, in the muskie management plan. I've only had experience, well, the knowledge of Pimatuming Lake and um, oh, Lake Wilhelm, I believe, is also another brood lake we have, and Arthur. So those are the ones in our area that are closest to us. Canadota actually is a brood lake for us also. But I had read that, but it's so small. I assume it, it's not used very, you know, it's probably kind of sporadically used, yeah. I would think. 
that one is. And then we also, we, we have to talk with Ohio too, because Ohio stalks muskies and pimatuming also. So we have their genetic variants and where they get theirs from. Uh, and also along with like making healthier muskies, um, we can only raise so many muskies here at the hatchery with the facility that we currently have. Um, it's sort of like the, uh, the goldfish in a bowl example. Um, if you wanted us to raise 100,000 muskies, just putting a number out there, we could do that. But those muskies aren't going to be, they're not going to have the space to grow as healthy as they can. You know, the fewer muskies we raise, the healthier those ones are going to be. Those are, those are going to be the ones that are the strongest uh, going out from this hatchery. Now, is there any room to expand the facilities there or you've you're uh, pretty much using up all the real estate you can for? Currently, we are using up the real estate that we have. Um, hopefully, in the near future, we will be making more room for muskies. Nice. So it's exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. So I had a question. You mentioned the uh, Union City Hatchery. That's so it got switched over to isn't it like muscle propagation now? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a muscle facility, which I've been up there to tour it one time and it's really impressive, like walking in there now and just seeing like all these little containers full of muscles and that, yeah, that's super filter feeding, you know. Is that one that's tourable or not really? I don't know, to be okay. honest. I don't think it is. I don't think it's open to the public. Yeah. That'd be that cool. one's not. That'd be cool to see, but yeah, it, it would be. And I think they might have some virtual tours on it. I'm okay. not sure, to be honest with you. Um, but that is something really cool that we're, you know, it's like the next step that we are right. taking as an agency, you know. Then maybe eventually you can have like elk toe with your uh with your fish fry. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I wanted to, I, I didn't want to get too into this because I know this is a this is a really tough one, but you mentioned Brian Enzyme a few times, and you know Brian, I I I had the pleasure of talking to Brian on more than one occasion, um, and if you I mean if you guys track you know any of this stuff Brian had passed away you know more recently in the last couple of years, and you know just thinking about you know that side of the house and like what you know, what the contributions were and guys like him, like I'm assuming that's a fairly large hit to you guys in the program. And with that said, it sounds like there's a lot, you guys have a lot of talented staff that can kind of fill gaps and things like that. And I know you were probably very close with Brian, but just talking about, you know, <laughs> essentially the staff, cause you gotta be a special person to kind of get involved in this you know, and, and work collectively as a team. So I guess where I'm going with this is like, what's the, can I, I don't know if I can ask this, like from a culture standpoint, you know, I'm assuming you, you guys have a really good group of people that are working together, you know, to, to collectively to do all of this stuff. Cause if you don't have that, then you, you don't have as successful as successful programs as what we have here in PA. So if that's a fair question, like, you know, what's it, what's the culture like? Do you feel like that's the case? Cause I, on the outside looking in, you know, I feel like that's the case. Yeah. Uh, so here at Lionsville, we had a full staff uh, last year going into 
uh, the fall stocking season and various other people within, within like at least at Linesville right now um, have either moved on, got better jobs, um, became managers or just want to be closer to home. So we're actually short three people right now at the hatchery, um, which has been pretty tough on the crew here itself. Great crew right now. I love, I love all those guys. Um, but I guess somehow your time, Brian, insight into this too, uh, at least with the hatchery staff and the biologists working together, um, Brian would come down and help pit tag uh, musky fingerlings. And it was really cool to see him come down because he not only was a biologist, um, he was also, he started off his career as a fish culturist, you know, which was awesome for us to see it. And he'd always joke with us. He'd be like, oh, don't worry, guys. He goes, I'll get dirty. I'll get right down in there with those muskies, you know, and, you know, net them out and do everything he could. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, any crew, every single hatchery has a good crew, you know, the ones that stay for longer than like two years. Uh, I'd imagine you'd have to. You said you guys were doing what twenty days in a row. You're uh, on now. Yeah, right now. Like I was working earlier today, um, helping helping out with the trap netting and you know just cleaning up for open house. Um, you know, mulching, making sure everything looks great for for open house right now. And on top of that, we're running boats, getting nets, getting walleye coming back, spawning them all day. And once we have nets out there, we have to check those nets every day. Um, you know, we don't want to have those fish. That, you know, that's a huge liability on us too. You know, there's nets out there you can see straight from the road. But yeah, we've been yeah, it's over. It's over twenty days straight now. It's it's kind of funny. I I didn't even know like last week happened. I was like, what day is it? Like Wednesday? They're like, no, it's Saturday. I'm like, no. <laughs> This is horrible, you know, and I, I feel I feel for these guys that, that are out there doing it, you know. I tried helping as much as I can, but I also don't want to get in the way uh, when we're out on the boat. And I also want our guys to be getting the experience they need to get. So come next year, they're not just, you know, they're not clueless going out there. We have a, we have a relatively young crew right now at Linesville. Um, but I'm excited to see what we can do this year coming up see that's that's kind of where i was going with that because i i didn't do the best job getting there but you know again <laughs> Ryan, like people, ryan's looking to switch careers so well, people yeah. people don't realize though like what you guys go through and that was one of the points that i always kind of took away you know from that so just out of curiosity like i'm assuming you said you have three open positions like what are those like public i'm assuming ryan can be there tomorrow yeah are they are they publicly like do you guys have them like the jobs posted like for people that want to get into whatever it is like fish culture you know i'm assuming you guys have that stuff posted out there yeah uh we'll put like so it's posted to the public um we linesville should be having two full-time fish cultures positions and a seasonal positioning opening up here um right now we have obviously the me the manager uh will snyder he's our foreman uh he just started on april 1st so that was, he's just brand new to the foreman's position. Um, and we got three other fish culturists. Um, we have one guy that's been seasoned for like, I think he's been in the hatchery systems for 10 years. He's our go-to guy, Kenny Nisevich. And uh solid dude. He helps out so much with us. And uh, we're lucky to have him. But uh, other than that, we have a young crew. 
Um, but getting back to the jobs being posted, yes, uh, it should be. I think if you just look up like Pennsylvania state jobs, um, internal and external um, postings, you should be able to find them on there. Um, make sure you read everything. Make sure you guys, if you have anyone that's interested, make sure you're following the directions very specifically to make sure you have all the right paperwork in there. Yeah. Um, it's quite and a you, process to even just get an interview. The so. bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if well, that I is mean, something someone's interested in, you can set up alerts so you can get alerts for the. Yeah, there is. And I, I don't like it when someone at the hatchery gets an alert for a different job. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I heard that. I know exactly what that is. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just to me, though. That's cool because that's all part of like. I mean, it, it's any any job, like any really any any environment, any industry. You know, you go through these like swings of staff and like the growth and things like that. And I don't know, man. I think you guys have a lot to be excited for. Hopefully, you guys can get some help. You know, get the help you need there to keep everything moving along and give yourselves a little bit of a break. But you know, the whole point to that was like. You know, I know, I know Brian was pretty hands-on and I know he was probably, that was probably a large hit to you guys and, and your staff, but it sounds like you got some young blood in there and you guys are growing and learning. And it's, it's one of those things where you should be excited for that. And I think we all should be excited to see, you know, what you guys can, can do and, you know, how the year goes. So that's, that's yeah. cool stuff. I'm super excited with uh, everything we got going here on here at Linesville. Um but on top of Brian, Brian, he was the biggest hit you could probably ever have. Uh, no one's ever going to be able to replace him. Uh, all the effort, especially in the musky management plan that he had. Uh, I remember ever since I was a little uh, seasonal, he came into my like little room. I was pressing scales, you know, doing the, the lowest job you can get. And he came in with a packet about that thick. Like it was like two and a half inches thick. And he's like, Nick, please go read through this. He goes, it's my first draft of the musky management plan. It's going to be so exciting. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, reading through the new draft. And it was just mind blowing to me at the time. And now here I am, you know, he, he, he taught me everything I knew when it came starting with the fish and boat commission. And now here I am reading his work that he was doing, you know, so. Awesome. We'll, we'll never That's be really replaced. Cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh... What else do we have? What else do we have for Nick here? I mean, we, we kind of well, touched. I'm serious, Nick. We, we want to get you back and we want, we love hearing the growing pains and the, the hiccups and the, we like talking about that stuff. So we want to hear like the progression of the job. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Good, I mean, I'd like bad. to hear, you know, kind of how, how the first, first stocking of the, you know, the, the yearlings go and, uh, We'd love to have you back, you know, maybe in mm -hmm. a year, six months or so, and give us an update on how the first, the first milkings went. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the bad and the ugly. We we can do like a like a mid stocking season, mid musky stocking season uh, interview and update. There you update go. What's going on? That'll be good. Like maybe we'll get like a, a live at the stocking or something. Oh, <laughs> like, there you go. Well, if, uh, I, I brought up the volunteer thing because I figure we have a lot of local listeners. And if you guys need volunteers for any stocking efforts, I guarantee a bunch of the hunks verse would go out there and, and help it, out. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's it'll be cool. Uh, we even got some uh, up in Erie's way, up, up Nick's way. 
We're oh, actually boy. talking Prescott Bay this year, so that's kind of cool. Oh, now wow. here's a question. Now that you brought that up, are you still doing <laughs> the? Because for a while they were doing like an eerie strain or like Great Lakes strain. Yeah, are they still doing that, or are they back to the? No, they're back to just purebred muskies, just what we're raising. Yeah. Same. What was it? Wasn't that like they traded with Illinois or something? Yeah, or to get or something. There was yeah. like a long history of that one. So save that for another one. Yeah. <laughs> save, save it for all the questions we get after this podcast. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's this was a good. I think this is yeah. a good introductory call. Like Thank I, you for I coming on. Yeah, we really Absolutely. appreciate you taking the time. Sorry, you're sitting in the office right now. <laughs> I'm not worried about it at all. I mean, I live right down the road, so it's not like it's a big out of the way for me. Um, you guys are real easy to talk to too. So I, I have a big thank you to you guys for at least being pretty cool and relaxed. Sorry yeah. if we grilled you too hard at some point. No, Sorry. no, not at all. I, I expect it and I like it and makes me kind of expect more for the next podcast, you know. I got uh so one of the other things that I really enjoyed, and I don't know if if I, there's gotta be other people that are watching these, but it really like so fishing boat has like a YouTube channel, right? And every so often they'll put out some like uh, like there's one out there the musk musky Elvania, mm-hmm. and, but there's <laughs> the, you know there's all these other ones that you guys do and you guys even did like the uh, there was like a remote session like a full day or two session um, that you guys had like just on varying topics, you know do you I, I don't know is that something you guys you guys are going to continue to do? I would I would like for us to see us continue doing that. Um, that's a lot of the people that do that work are out of like Harrisburg and mm-hmm. state college offices. Um, but once we have a cool enough, like program that we think's worthy of, you know, making a video of, I'd like to see more of it too here coming from the hatchery. Um, I know, you know, other people that used to work here were very particular on getting a lot of videos taken mm-hmm. you know a lot of that education being given out so yeah i just think it's it's just a cool thing for the public and, you know and yeah. it kind of it makes us feel like we're involved you know like yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. can do like a q a and like i know sometimes it's hard man because people are relentless and you guys probably don't hear enough positive you know the positive side of everything and that's kind of what we're about here you know, we're not the guys that are out there complaining about this and that, you know, we want to, we want to build up and, and focus on the positive aspects of all of this. And and you guys really give us a lot of positivity to talk about, you know, with the hatcheries mm-hmm. and things, but I would love to see those videos too. Just like any, any type of update. I'm, I'm, I'm consuming it. I was going to say, it's cool. It seems like the fish commission's really stepped up just in the past few years and how much their social media presence and yeah, I have a lot yeah. of good, good content. It's, it's even like wild for me to see, like ever since I started, like the progression that the whole agency has been going, which I think is really, it's really awesome. So, and it's, I mean, realistically, for, I mean, bare bones fishing license, what twenty bucks and ninety cents. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, that's you get a huge, huge value out of that. Well, what yep. was it that that. Pennsylvania fishing licenses hadn't been up updated since like 
1995 or something ridiculous yeah, like that there was there was an update and i forget when it was i think it was like in the 2000s and we actually decreased the price oh, really? <laughs> and thinking i think that we'd get more get people higher volume buy. yeah but covid really stepped up the, the license sales oh us. yeah uh, that's I remember Hopefully when people were musky, all... not, now they're addicted to musky fishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people that oh, people I... named Nick that run a hatchery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, we have we have a number of listeners who I think have really specifically started musky fishing during the pandemic. COVID musky. And, yeah. uh-huh. There was a lot of uh, a lot of boats that sold during that period, and there's a lot of boats for sale right now. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. I, I every time I come, it's, every time someone comes to this hatchery, the most off like the, the biggest species that I get asked about all the time is musky. They're like, "Where can I go to catch a musky?" And I said, "Oh, you know, I'll tell you what. Exactly <laughs> you can catch a musky." It's so cool too that you guys have the the state record mount there, and then the yeah. Kinzer Giant. And... Yeah, I, I kind of I really want a musky mount in my office here, but. I gotta find wall space for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you gotta go get your own. Just make still it a, make it a steal one of those ones. I will. Yeah, you gotta go catch your own, get your own mount, yeah. and get your name on it. Like a leave like your a mark. Fi- What's a good one to? What, what size are we looking here? Like fifty plus. Owen's got a fifty-four, so you know that's Ooh. a good good benchmark. Yeah, but that's that's Listen, not a PA musky. That's a I got a that's I got a Canada f- musky. So <laughs> I, I can't claim I can't I can't claim a PA fifty. I got a 13-inch rainbow trout on the wall in the bait lab. Anything goes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, the vintage taxidermy does have a little... It just has something extra, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just reading through... I think I sent you guys the picture. Uh, uh, the Larry Ramsell uh, musky compendium. And it's got an Edinburgh lake fish oh, really? that i believe is on display at the hatchery i, I think the I think the caption said that it is on di- display at the linesville hatchery now that that might have been whether or not that's still true or not yeah who yeah. knows whenever that was printed so huh. i don't know i i forget how many musky mounts we actually have or was it a labuff maybe it was a labuff a labuff fish get your facts straight owen uh, <laughs> Stop me. burning I'm spots. More, I'm more of prob- a big picture guy. It's probably Moss back. <laughs> He's on the five-year plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, All right. we're probably well, boys. Pro- approaching two hours yeah. here. Yeah, we've, Nick, ta- we've taken enough of Nick's time here let me on ask, a Sunday evening. Let me ask one more thing. Is there anything, Nick, on your list, if you took some notes down, is there anything else you wanted to cover that we didn't get to tonight? Oh man, uh, with all the hard questions you were asking me, but... <laughs> uh, I think it, you guys covered it pretty well. Uh, like my background, I'm pretty proud of it, and everything here we do at Linesville. Uh, the, the crew here is great. It should be. Uh, I, I can't. Uh, I can't thank them enough. If they ever listen to this, I won't tell them I was on this. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, no, you know, everything's good here at Lionsville. Uh, excited for the open house, you know, spread the word. I hope I see you guys there. 
Um, you can say something in the crowd when I'm doing a walleye demonstration. So I know it's you. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we actually talked about doing a, a muskie spawning demonstration this year if if the water temperatures got warm enough. But I don't oh, think it's right. Well, you know Ryan's going to be in the audience diving yeah. out of his seat, yeah. raising his hand like a first grader in class. We'll when you ask we'll, who, who we'll wants to suck the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ooh, me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I actually did see it's going to get warm. It's going to be warm up there this week during the week, but then it's going to get cold again towards the towards the weekend. I thought. Yeah, Wednesday it's supposed to get like seventy six. I right. think up here. So that I mean, the, all the lakes up here are shallow enough, and it, it'll probably spike the temperatures up to mid to high forties. Um. So, and maybe that'll get the muskies k- kick started for us. That'd be nice. Yeah. Now, just before we sign off here, and I know we're reached about the two hour limit, but I wanted to say, like, we had a very warm winter here in, in Pennsylvania, almost no ice in terms of, you know, at least the Canadota Lake. I assume mm-hmm. other lakes in the north northwest were the same. Like, do you think that what what effect, if any, do you think that's going to have on your stocking or, you know, just the fisheries in general? Uh, spawning is the biggest thing that we have to deal with that. Um, but a lot, there's, you know, two different equations that you have for when a, like a walleye or a muskie wants to spawn, you have water temperature, which helps with the ripeness of the eggs. And you also have photo period, um, photo period to me, it seems like it's, it's pretty big regardless of what the temperature is. You know, you can have 50 degrees in let's say January, but those eggs aren't developed enough yet. And those, you know, the males aren't going to be up there to spawn. Um, so to answer that question, we didn't see too much of a difference with the walleye this year, even though we barely had any ice. Um, I believe photo period has a lot to do with spawning and spawning stress and when the fish are actually able to release their eggs. Temperature helps speed up the process a little bit when it's right on time. So, but yeah, that's all I have to add for that. Yeah. So it shouldn't have any giant negative effect. No, I don't think it will. Okay. If anything, it'd probably be a, a more of a positive effect if you get, you know, earlier offspring, you know, making it through to the winter. Cool. Good news. All right. Well, that was the last question that was in my brain that I had to had to kind of fire out there. All righty. All right. Here's a question. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you legit had another yeah, one. Kidding. 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 All right. Well, Nick. All right. It's like all right. Going to bed now, Nick. Dude, thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Seriously, thank you for Thanks, coming on Nick. here tonight. And we'll for putting up with our questions. Yeah. Yep. Thank you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking here in a couple months or something like that. Yeah. We Good luck, great. man. Good luck with the with the stocking and with the spawn. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sounds good, man. We're pulling Thanks. for you. Right, We're all cheering you guys <laughs> on. Buddy. Oh yeah. Thanks. Chats. All right. Talk soon, man. See ya. We'll see ya. Guys. I had to shake them on my last case. Big O don't play.